This morning, uh, we are continuing our reading through the Sermon on the Mount. We've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount since, I think, June uh, of last year. Uh, no, just uh, since this year. We've been working our way slowly through it. Uh, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the Sermon on the Mount, it's Jesus' longest continuing teaching that we have a copy of. And so Jesus uh, went up on the side of a mountain. Uh, people followed him, and so he sat down and he began to teach them. And the Sermon on the Mount is filled with a lot of wisdom, some good practical insight, while it also challenges us to think about how God really desires for us to live. Right? It teaches what life should look like in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, if we were all to follow all of Jesus' teachings, I imagine the world would look quite a bit more like heaven and a little bit less like it does. Uh, and so it's in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we turn to. It's in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we find this morning's uh, little gold nugget of truth. Uh, we're reading Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Uh, we read the Bible because we believe the Bible is inspired by God and reveals God to us. As we read the Bible, we come to know God. We come to know ourselves and we learn to live how God has created us to live. And so Jesus says here uh, in Matthew seven twelve, In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Now this is one of those teachings of Jesus that everybody has heard at least in some shape or form. I mean, if, even if you've never uh, been to church before, if you've never read the Bible, you've probably heard at some point in your life, you know, do to others what you would have them do to you. And, and, and I think most people hear this and generally agree, you know, yeah, this would be a good way of life, right? It's a solid ethical approach to life. And, and I think so many people probably agree with this sentiment so much so that I wonder what it would be like if we all live this way, if we all just practice the golden rule as our way of life, I think there could be a great uh, power for transformation within our lives and even within society if we were to live out the golden rule. In 1855, uh, abolitionist Frederick Douglass wrote, he said, I love the religion of our blessed Savior. I love that religion that is based upon the glorious principle of love to God and love to man, which makes its followers do unto others as they themselves would be done by. And if you demand liberty to yourself, it says grant it to your neighbors. If you claim a right to think for yourself, allow your neighbors the same right. It's because I love this religion that I hate the slave-holding, woman-whipping, mind-darkening, soul-destroying religion that exists in the southern states of America. And then a few years later, kind of echoing some of those sentiments in 1858, Abraham Lincoln uh, used this golden rule principle uh, to evaluate slavery. He says, as I would not be a slave, so I would not be a master. And then he went on to declare, he says, he who would be no slave must consent to have no slave. Right? This general principle that Jesus teaches us in the golden rule was an important part of dismantling the structures that existed that supported slavery, even within our own country. And throughout history, the golden rule has been applied for great purposes, for great uh, transformation of people and of societies. 
Yet somehow, even though we all know it and we all kind of agree to it in principle, uh, the golden rule seems to have fallen on hard times. So I wonder if we all know it and if we all agree that it's a good way that we should live, uh, why don't we all live this way? Uh, One guess that I have is that probably most of us hear it and rather than thinking of it as a call to action, as a positive command, we kind of hear it uh, in a sense as a negative. What I mean is that we often interpret it as do not do to others what you would want, uh, not want done to you, right? I I don't want somebody to steal from me, so I'm not going to steal from them. I I don't want anybody to lie to me, so I'm not going to lie to them. I I don't want people to punch me in the face, so I'm not going to go around punching people in the face, Uh, This way of understanding the golden rule uh, is actually what's most common in other religions and other practices, this this kind of negative way of thinking about it. The great Jewish teacher, Hillel, his teachings ground much of Jewish practice today. He taught, what is hateful to yourself, do to no other. That is the whole law and the rest is commentary. Uh, Confucius, whose teachings inspire much of the practices of the Far East when asked, Is there one word which may serve as a rule to practice for all one's life? Well, he answered, he said, Is not reciprocity such a word? What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. In the Buddhist uh, hymns of faith, we find something kind of near to that. It says, All men tremble at the rod, all men fear death. Putting oneself in the place of others, kill not, nor cause to kill. And there's, there's kind of similar teachings throughout other religions, but most of them ask us to refrain from doing something to somebody else. I'm not familiar with any other teachings that ask us to consider, what is it that you would actually want done to you? What, what positive thing is it that you want from others? And then go do that. But this is what Jesus teaches. This is kind of what differentiates Jesus' teaching from the the common wisdom. It's not a don't do to others command. It is a do to others. It is a move from being passive to being active. If I were to apply the golden rule in its positive form, instead of thinking, I don't want people to lie to me so I won't lie to others. Perhaps I would think of it as, you know, I want people to be honest to me and so I will be honest with others. I'll be honest in all of my dealings and my word and my actions with other people. Uh, more practically, it might say, you know what, I would like for people to smile at me and so I'm going to smile at others, right? Because I, I want that. So it's positive. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm active. In a church context, we might say, if I was new to church, I would like people to speak to me. And so I'm going to go and speak to others. It's what I would want done. In your neighborhood, maybe it's uh, if I forgot to take my garbage cans out on trash day, I would want my neighbor, I would want somebody to help me out, to remind me or to go and grab them. And so, you know, if I see a neighbor who uh, doesn't have their, their trash cans out at the street, I'll go and, and take them out for them. Or, or maybe uh, if I don't bring my garbage cans back in, I would want somebody to bring them in for me. And so I'll walk the few extra steps to my neighbor's house and bring their trash can back from the curb instead of calling the HOA on them. Uh, at a restaurant, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a server... You know, I would like guests who are kind and tipped well. And so when I go, I try to be kind to my server and, and tip well. 
I mean, just think about the revolution that could be unlocked if we apply this teaching from Jesus in its positive form. I mean, I was at McDonald's the other day, uh, and I was just getting a sausage biscuit and a coffee. I pull up to the first window, and I pay for it, and then I pull up to the second window, and the, the lady at the second window says, you know, do you have a sausage biscuit? I was like, yeah, that's me. She said, and the medium coffee? I was like, yeah, that's me. She said, well, here's a large, and gave me this big, huge smile. And it, it was kind of one of those smiles that just, it, it changes your perspective. It, it brightens your day. It just warmed me up. And now, I mean, I want to kind of go back to McDonald's uh, just because I, I enjoyed that positive experience, that positive feeling. But I think I probably smiled at like the next five people I saw just because of what this one person did. You know, I, I let people pull in front of me while I was driving down the road. I didn't honk my horn at the person that cut me off because I was in a better mood because of this simple, small act of just offering somebody a smile. And if something like that can have such a positive effect, this doing to others in a positive sense can enact such a positive response in me, imagine you know, what if we were all doing to others? And what if it extended beyond just even the simplest of things as a smile to the bigger things in life? I mean, if we applied the golden rule as a way of life, it could be truly life transforming for us and for others. And so again, now what keeps us from living this way? Uh, one of my uh, majors at Florida State University, Go Knowles, 3-0 and to start the season. Uh, one of my majors was philosophy. Uh, are there any other philosophy majors in here? <laughs> I, see, I see no takers. Right, it's not one of the most popular majors. I don't think a lot of people major in it because, you know, you, there's not a whole lot you can do with it other than go get your doctorate and then teach philosophy. Uh, it it kind of works in a circle. And so noting not a lot of excitement, we won't spend a lot of time there. But uh, one of the things I learned, especially in ethics classes, is that every ethic, right, every way of determining right and wrong has a foundation. Right? There's something that is foundational between every way of life. Uh, every, every consistent ethic has something, some sort of bedrock that's behind it, a, a principle or, or something that leads you to, to think and to act in a particular way. And so one of the reasons that I think we struggle as a society to live this golden rule that Jesus teaches, this golden rule that we all seem to think of as being good, is that we lack a foundation for it. We, we attempt to live out the golden rule and practice without any kind of reference point, without building it upon something. We take it upon ourselves as though we can just make it happen, as though I'm just good enough to be able to do good to others just all on my own. But the problem is, uh, there's this thing about us, the Bible calls it sin. Uh, we sometimes might call it selfishness or pride or greed. Uh, there are some of us who are more competitive who might just say, well, I just have this, this will to win and this kind of will to win ends up in all things, right? I mean, I, I could find myself in a race to the checkout line at Publix without a problem and, and cut somebody off with my card and look back and notice, oh, shoot, that was a, a pregnant mother or somebody with a, with a walker. And, and I feel bad about it, but the damage is already done. We sometimes approach life, just all of life with those principles in place. And maybe we decide to practice the golden rule and we're doing it kind of on our own volition. And so maybe I, 
I'm, I'm out of the store. I've got a lot of time. I'm not in a rush. I let somebody have that really close parking spot, the one that's right next to the handicapped spots. Uh, and uh, that's what I would want somebody to do for me. So I, I do that for others. But then the next day, I'm, I'm at the store, and I'm in a hurry. Uh, it looks like it's about to pour the rain, and then somebody cuts in front of me, and they take that spot. So I get upset. Maybe I pull up next to them, and I just make sure I open my car door a little bit extra wide, because that'll teach them, right? Maybe we practice the golden rule for a little while, and then kind of the, the common wisdom of our age says, well, that's nice, but the world doesn't really work that way. So our patience with, with just doing this good, doing what we would want done to us, runs out. And so we move on to the next tactic. We'd like to live by the golden rule. We'd like to live this way, but this, this sin thing uh, continues to get in the way. Without a solid foundation to build this kind of life upon, and without returning to that foundation on a regular basis, we just can't keep it up on our own. And really, if we look throughout history, there's only been one person who's been able to live out the golden rule completely. And it just so happens that it's the same person who taught it. See, Jesus not only models for us what it looks like, but Jesus is the foundation that we can build that kind of life upon. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, it lays it out for us. It says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let the same mind that he had, let that be in you. Let that be the foundation for your life. Uh, The same mind being in you that was in Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Even though he was God in flesh, all-powerful, all-knowing, he didn't use it to take advantage of the situation or to take advantage of others or to benefit himself. But instead, in verse 7, it says, he emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Though Jesus came as the king over all of the earth, the kings of of heaven and the earth, Jesus took on the role of servant. Though he was all-powerful, he didn't use it for his own benefit. Now, as he stood before earthly rulers and they were, they were bringing him to trial, Jesus says, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? Right? I mean, I could, I could take over this whole place if I wanted to. You, your, your power is not a real power. I have real power. But yet Jesus instead decides to lay his life down. He humbly went to the cross out of love for us. And even as he hung on the cross, he prayed and he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. In Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, Jesus uh, offers to us the forgiveness that he prayed for. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, you know, for our failures to follow this golden rule. He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a hope beyond this world that is filled with sin, with selfishness, greed, the striving to win at all costs. This hope beyond this world so that our hopes won't be built in this world. They're built on something greater, that there's a sure and a solid foundation that we could build our life upon. And John 3.16, Jesus teaches, he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
If we're not uh, running around with this fear of death because we know there's a better life that awaits us, it kind of takes away some of the anxiety, some of the panic, some of the, the, the selfishness, the willing and the want for ourselves, and it enables us to actually give our lives for the sake of others. We hear John 3.16, and, and simply put, we might hear it to say, you know, God loved. God loved you. He loved me. He loved all of us. God loved all people. And so God gave. We believe. We put our hope, our trust, our faith in him. And so we receive that gift of everlasting life. We receive that gift of being made a new creation, of no longer needing to strive for our own way. But instead, being able to actually do to others what we would want done to us, what, what God would want done for them. It's only by giving ourselves fully to Jesus, by trusting in him for our salvation, placing our life, our plans, our hope, and our trust in him, trusting that, trusting that he is good, trusting that he's working for our good, trusting that he will ultimately make all things right. So I don't have to take it all into my hands. I can put it in his hands because I'm trusting in him. And it's only as we do this that we can begin to live out the golden rule that he taught. I mean, that becomes the sure and the solid foundation upon which we can build our life. And so the invitation this morning is to trust in Jesus, right? To put your faith in him. Ask him to forgive you and to make you new. Ask him to come in and begin to, to transform that, that selfishness, the, the greed, the pride, that willingness and want to win at all costs. Ask him to transform that and to change that, to give you the mind of Christ, the, the humility, the heart to serve. Ask him to come in and, and change the way you see others and the way that you see the world around you. Let him, let you see it through his eyes. Let him come in. And make you new so that you can have the fulfilled life that he came for you to have. So that your life might be changed. And as your life is changed and, and I experience this transforming work within me, that the world around us might be changed for his glory as well. And then maybe, maybe just maybe, as together we place our hope and our trust in him, maybe we can have that foundation that enables us to live out this golden rule. That takes place not only within you and me, but maybe it begins to spread to the people around us. Let us pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you have shown us what it is to love, what it is to do for others. We pray that you would continue to transform us and change us. Lord, we confess that we oftentimes make a mess of the world, make a mess of our lives. And so we pray that you would forgive us and that you would make us new. Change us and transform us. Lead us and guide us. Help us to be uh, ever listening for your voice and for your call. We pray that you would do this great work within us. In Jesus' name, amen.